So what's this podcast about, Aaron? I have no idea. <laughs> All right, listen okay. and see if you can figure it out, too. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Dan. Remember that thing we used to do, that podcast? <laughs> Those were good times. Yeah. What happened? Some did we? Here's that on the wagon, off the wagon thing. We've been one of those. Well, it's also the busy season, the busy travel season. Yeah. No, we kind of knew stuff. this was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But we're back. Yep. For until well, I leave again today. You leave again today, but I've scheduled with Aaron May for this week. Oh, cool. What right. are you guys going to talk about? Uh, you know, my decision to write her. I'm. I don't have any electronic thingies in my hand or I'd look up the name of the uh, gentleman who wrote and said he's been working with an autistic uh, nephew, I think. Okay. Trying to teach him mountain dulcimer and is learning a lot about the process. And I wrote him and said, that sounds really interesting because I think, yeah, I think we all have the same issues, just some farther along on spectrums and things. And he wrote back and said, thank you very much for asking me, but I do not want to talk on, yeah. <laughs> on a podcast. But, and we've talked about this before and he suggested, he said, you should talk to Erin May about this kind of thing. Cause she's done some of this work. And I thought, you know, that's another reason we needed to just, right. Besides she can just talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's funny. So anyway, well, she's, Hey, Hey, just so that that doesn't get misinterpreted. Oh, no, I want it to be. She's also really good at listening. Yes. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Why do you say that, though? Um, because I think normally when you say someone can talk, it means that they kind of, uh, they don't have an issue monopolizing a conversation, and it can get interpreted, I think it can get interpreted that way. Um, I actually just heard someone say, you know, the nice thing about having a conversation with so-and-so you don't have to worry about saying anything. <laughs> I'm all intimidated about even responding to you now. For... The, the, that wasn't about you. I don't think way. everything's about me. Is this about me? <laughs> 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 That's funny. But anyway, yeah. so Aaron's coming up, and that'll be great. She's yeah. just hilarious. We had, uh, boy, we have so much stuff to catch up on that people may not be interested in. But some of my best memories, when I think back quickly to Kentucky Music Week, are having dinner with the with you and Aaron and Karen Alley yeah. yeah just just kind of it's like old yeah. great stuff yeah this was an interesting year at KMW i thought it was really cool having Karen Alley on staff and Hunter Walker on staff it seemed like there was some there were some new people like a changing of the guard <laughs> <laughs> i don't know yeah i don't know i don't yeah. either yeah yeah, kind of hmm. don't want to go there, but having new people was It was, was really fun. good. Yeah. yeah. And from what I hear, people loved Karen's classes, as yeah. they should, because she's a, she's a great teacher and just brilliant, too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, our conversations yeah. Were, were all good. Yeah. I mean, interesting, I guess is what I should say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this was the first year that I did the children's thing at KMW. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. Nice. Really enjoyed it. It was exhausting. But well, you were also teaching three hammer. I was teaching three classes. classes too. Yeah, so there was that. So they were long days, but good stuff. Sweet. Did you do anything? Anything new and noteworthy? Um, I did a, a few things new. Um, let's see. Uh, in addition to covering for a guitar class at Kentucky Music Week, um, uh, it was my first time teaching a week long one and a half fret class. And uh, also first time teaching a week-long composition class. And uh, the composition class, that's, I think, because more than any other class, it energy kind of has to go two ways for it to work. Um, it's not all me presenting the whole time. There's, there's a lot more time that they spend digging. Uh, Can you describe, define energy for me in this case? Um, no, <laughs> but, but I'll, I'll try and describe it a little better. Yeah, okay. Um, so, you know, some classes, uh, I feel like the classes that I, I feel like, uh, go the best are the ones where I don't feel like I'm the one doing all the talking. People are hitting you back with questions. Oh, and yeah. when you, when they hit you with questions, it tells you that they're listening, that they're engaged. Um, 
And in this composition class, it kind of had to be that. They had to do a lot of... Well, they were composing. They were coming up with their own stuff. And uh, and it was a lot of fun. We did something different every single day. Started with a different idea or a different source of inspiration. And they came up with some really cool stuff. And so it had me all excited. I want to do that again. I want to do more yeah. of that. Well, it really does just feel good as a... Not just as an instructor, because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's even though you do want to feel like you're doing a good job and people are getting something from it, mm-hmm. it feels good as a human being and a musician <laughs> to right. participate and actually connect with people. Yeah. And that's a big deal. Yeah. I think one of the things that, that struck me was uh, a couple people in there said, um, I really just, just wanted to take a class from you and... I wasn't sure if this would be good because I'm not a composer. I don't think I'm a composer, uh, but they came up with such cool stuff and they said that they left that class feeling like they can write music now. You're either a composer or a decomposer. You choose. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta yeah. be, I know people, think that no that's just not something that's just not something i have oh i can't do that but Mm -hmm. yeah you can you do it all the time you Mm -hmm. do it every time you open your mouth and speak a sentence Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah and actually one of the things um i just posted a video on social media yesterday about this on on friday uh i i told them that the last day I would actually write a song. Um, They would help me. They would come up with, they would give me the building blocks for it. But as I was writing it, I would just think out loud and they could stop at any time and ask questions. And that was one of those things where uh, that can either, that can go really well or it can go pretty poorly. If it's a, if the class isn't going well. And like I said, if energy isn't going in two directions and I'm not talking about, uh, I don't want to sound weird when I say energy. You're not talking about uh, caloric energy. You're not talking about... I, I mean, no, there was some caloric energy being, sp- yeah. <laughs> being spent. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, but that was that was cool. And uh, that they they asked the right questions i thought and they were they were really engaged what if you did this instead of this and i thought a really cool piece started to come out of it like just from talking everything through and uh and it reminded me of something that i know you you said you did with stephen humphreys um oh, where you, yeah in one class you you said okay we're gonna play something and at any at any second you can say stop just say stop yeah. that's valuable it really works doesn't it yeah yeah, because you get lost watching. Mm-hmm. And for me, I mean, watching somebody who's a who's a great player play, I mean, watching, you know, Josh Messick or Stephen Humphreys or, or Ted Yoder or Rick Thumb or just somebody or, you know, Karen Alley, I could probably do all the stuff that they do. Doesn't mean I know how to do all the stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. And there's a point at which, so I'm, I'm saying that to say that it doesn't, don't feel like you're the only person who feels this way when you watch Aaron play. You know, Mountain Dulcimer, and you play Mountain Dulcimer. Like, I have no idea what he did because probably somebody else who is working just as hard and has a deep tool chest feels the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think 10 years ago, and this is probably me changing more than the, than the scene changing, I used to think people were more protective about that sort of thing and didn't really want to share. Really? Yeah, and I was probably wrong. I think people do want to share that stuff because you kind of want to show what it is you're doing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so silly me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, I don't know of any of that. I can't think of a single example in the Dulcimer world of of people wanting to hide what they're doing or keep it a secret. I guess if I could think of it, we probably wouldn't want to discuss it publicly. No, probably <laughs> wouldn't want to. Seriously, it's probably something I carried in. Uh, okay. Because that's well, what we do. Well, I know uh, since Steve was, was, one of my, was one of my early influences and 
from talking to him a lot, that was actually one of the things that he brought up was I don't want to have any secrets. Uh, if there's something I'm doing that you want to know uh, more about, tell me uh, because it's good for all of us. Uh, and we grow as a whole. Would that be true if we were talking about the restaurant business though? You know, and you have this specific dessert that you make and your main competitor wants to make that same dessert because theirs isn't just quite as good as yours. I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of really, some of the top chefs, if they were to try that dessert, they could probably figure out what's going into it. You think they, okay. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good observation. I think that's probably true. Yeah. Now, it might not. Part of what I think in, mu in the whole music thing, part of what makes it work is because it's the presentation of it. It's mm -hmm. not just the physical doing of the thing. Right. <clears throat> and what makes me, what I enjoy doing as a musician, even though you might be able to do the exact same thing, may not interest you at all. Right. And so, therefore, you're doing it. Yeah, I had a long conversation with a guy about this one time, you know. Wow, it's hard to – this is not about energy <laughs> again. But there is – it's not just, you know, notes being performed by a robot. Yeah, if you have the right color aura, it really sells it to the audience. <laughs> yeah, what color is your aura? Uh, kind of a greenish-blue – yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of turquoise, I think. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. So, Kentucky Music Week, and then you went to... Dulcimer Week in the Wallawas. In the Wallawas. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the first year I did that, I was really afraid to say the name <laughs> of it. I, it was on my website, but I don't think I actually said the name of the festival in person. How about Manuka or Manusha? Oh, it's Manuka. It's Manuka. I yeah, because yeah. I'm doing that one next year. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting my West Coast. You're getting that thing, yeah. getting that thing on. Yeah. So how was, uh, this is where you fell in love? Yeah, this is where I met Nicole. Yeah, so that was fun. Un unfortunately for me, I was, uh, um, well, as you know, Dan, um, after Kentucky Music Week, after the last class, we packed up, uh, drove home, and I had just enough time oh, to right. do a load of laundry and get in one about one hour of sleep before we woke up and went to the airport so i was after class uh for the first day or two i was useless <laughs> and uh i oh, really did it yeah okay. in oregon um but it's such a nice place. They they build a lot of free time into the schedule and I'm becoming more and more convinced that the festivals where I see where I get to see actual progress being made by the end of the week. Um it's at these festivals that have a lot of free time built into the schedule where people can sit and practice. And it's funny because I always my mentality for the longest time was and still is uh I think for the most part that it's it's okay, even maybe even good if you're not able to do everything uh, that you're presented with in class. Like it's good for you to have some stuff to go home with and work on for long periods of time. But uh, but so often I think at at festivals it's really easy to get overwhelmed. I mean they're getting a lot of information yeah. and having some time to process it. You know even if it's just a little bit at the end of the day is a good thing. Oh, um, you, you need it for your brain to be healthy, mm -hmm. to be able to learn. You've got to be able to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we're going to win that battle though. No, no. I don't know. Maybe who knows, but it, I, by that battle, do you mean festivals all taking that format? Well, I mean, I can understand as a festival director, mm -hmm. you know, they're paying people, and they want to give their the attendees the best bang for the buck. And so to have a lot of classes certainly looks good. And I think mm -hmm. even for the consumer of festivals, as they're looking at the list, it's like, wow, they only have a morning class and an afternoon class, and there's all this downtime. Why would I pay this much to go do that? I mean, I think there's a certain amount of value in, in both. I mean, in a, 
I think it's great to go to an Indian restaurant and hit up the lunch buffet uh, and see what dishes at this restaurant really speak to you. Go back for uh, for dinner mm-hmm. later when you can enjoy just that one dish and maybe have a little bit, bit more control over the spice <laughs> level when you order. That's the weirdest reference. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. No, I think it, it totally plays. So festivals where you take a lot of these really short classes, yeah. I think of those as like buffet. Those are the buffet. Okay. You're just trying stuff. You might not like everything. <laughs> However. What? It's like, it's not an India buffet. It's a Ryan's. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a different scene. This went, <laughs> this got depressing real quick. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, though? I mean, it is, I mean, because the festivals have so much. It's, it's the it's, atmosphere you're paying for. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What do you expect for eleven ninety five? dollars 95 Are you kidding? <laughs> Unfortunately, I know how much it cost at Orion's. <laughs> uh, I guess what I'm getting at is, to stick with your Indian buffet thing, is you're there for, like, Indian food. And right. so you are trying these different nuances of Indian food. Mm-hmm. A lot of the bigger festivals, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. <clears throat> it's not, it really is Ryan's. I mean, because you've got potato salad over here. You know, you'd never find potato salad at an Indian restaurant, you know, and you're going to have chicken wings. Yeah, you can find a different curries with a potato base. That's or, right. Yeah. But it's not going to be like chicken wings. Crab legs, <laughs> you know, seriously, yeah. just oysters on the half shell. Here's here's lobster, and that's next to pot roast. You know, they're just yeah. totally different genres and just everything. And uh, if, and I'm not complaining about that as a concept. I'm I'm saying that for the person who for the consumer, if they really want to learn dulcimer, you know, Mount Dulcimer or Hammer Dulcimer, they'd probably be better off in a setting where that was kind of what was focused on as opposed to a little bit of everything. I just don't know that you go to these and if you take one, uh, ukulele class, you know, and one dulcimer class and one harp class, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. Uh, that maybe that you, oh, that you okay. progress as much as a consumer, you know, of these things. However, we also got to keep in mind that people go to these things because they're fun and they get to see friends. The, the very first thing we talked about was getting to hang out at the restaurant with friends. Yeah. And so it's cool that there's a variety of friends that come to these things that not mm-hmm. everyone there is like, no, I'm going to make a living doing this. <laughs> so it's all, it's all good. I yeah. Think. Yeah. I really do this for the social aspect. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not. <laughs> no. It's no. where you met your wife. I, oh no! I I I started doing this. You didn't mean to, another one this year, did women. you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You needed to change the subject right now. <laughs> no, I, I, actually, when we were describing our our workshops in Wallawa, I and it came up that this is where I met Nicole, and she took a class from me. I, um, uh, I felt inclined to to say, um, this is the asterisk on my workshops. Your experiences may differ. Yeah, <laughs> I can. That's probably of, will. When you say that, Nicole is Nicole's a, a smart, functional, intelligent person. But I can see her sitting there, kind of dreamy eyed, watching Aaron teach the class. That's the image that I get. <laughs> I like that's that. funny. I did not make eye contact with her while I was teaching. I could see you not making eye contact with her. Also, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. that yeah, yeah, that fits as well. Yeah, but she still had her. She had her little chin and in, in her little palms of her hands, and was kind of looking at you. I've never this. seen her sit like that. Yeah, but because she didn't again, look at it. Yeah, I wasn't making eye contact. <laughs> you missed it. You missed it. Yeah, I've oh, watched well. that. I've seen that happen. Yeah. So. We'll go no farther with that other than to say I hear love was in the air, you know, maybe at this festival again this year. And we'll talk about that some other time. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that okay? Yep. Yep. You're not supposed to have any inside jokes when you do these things. I know. I know. I was surprised you just said that. Yeah. Well, no, it's the humidity is what we've determined. Right. Yeah. Remember, we've talked about this on this podcast that if you want to make money as a street performer... Play when the humidity's low mm-hmm. because you get more money. That's all I'm saying. It works like that with love too. <laughs> <laughs> so there. Yeah. All right. So Wallawa and Wallawa. then Wallawa. Wallawa. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Cretan. 
Yeah, I know. Kraton. <laughs> you are headed off to uh, Dulcimer WCU? U. Dulcimer U, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Western Carolina University. Yeah, so second year in a row I'll be teaching the uh, uh, the level five class. And this year we're uh, – I wanted to change it up a little bit or a lot bit from last year since I was doing the same level at this camp. And um, last year we talked a lot about uh, – arranging in different ways to fill space this time it's going to be all improvisation for the most part that's the central theme of the week so i'm excited about that that is cool yeah there was a uh we did get an email an update uh on this festival uh usually on friday nights we do a formal concert and uh this that's not going to be the case this year. There's no formal concert for the event. Okay. Um, only the intimate concerts. And I was wondering how, how intimate how you, do they have to be? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, this is a thing. What they, what they do, uh, on Monday <coughs> and Tuesday after dinner, um, you can get tickets and all the, all the instructors are in different rooms and there's space for 10, 15 people max. And you just play to them and it's really informal. They can ask questions at, uh, or you can just shut up and play the whole time. Um, but for me anyway, I've actually, I've kind of struggled with that the last two years that I've been there. Uh, the intimate concerts, hmm. it's like, I don't know how informal to be. And I'm feeling like I kind of, we've talked about this on here before and I don't want to be too redundant, but I think for me, the, the pressure of a formal concert is really good. Um, get it like we said i get pretty nervous i still have stage fright but dressing up uh um putting on jeans with no holes in them i mean or wearing a vest and a nice shirt uh taking that extra step just kind of reinforces you can't fake that you actually do care about this right like, uh because for me before i, I know you saw this Early, when I was in my early 20s, I would get to this point where I would just get so nervous and then sort of my safety mechanism would be to go, I just I just want this to be over with. Like I barely remember that guy. Oh, yeah, he, he was cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. That's, you're a completely different performer uh, than, than you were. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And... I mean, to put in a plug for, you know, some of the work that you and I did together in trying to figure out that article for Dulcimer Players yeah. News, that's been working for you. Oh, my God. It's really yeah. cool, isn't it? Yeah, that, that article was let you, yeah. <laughs> I didn't contribute very much to it, <laughs> but. Uh, well, I mean, Janice yeah. Ian was the one who really right. sort of came up yeah. with it and then modified with doing dulcimer festivals and stuff yeah. and then all the different ways we have to modify concert yeah. links. So, yeah, one th I found every festival, there's a there's a huge difference between playing one song and playing two songs. Mm -hmm. There's a huge difference between playing two songs and playing four songs and how you have to modify that approach that we talked about in the Dulcimer players news article. So it, even though, yeah, you, we, you have this approach, it still has to be tweaked and modified for every setting. Yeah. We, we, I ought to get being on here and talk to him, but have you seen the video of what he did at Everett for, uh -uh. I guess, the Friday night show or it was Friday night, Thursday night? Uh-uh. So it's really cool. Sweet. And being, I'm going to, it's going to sound like I'm starting out critical. So if you listen to this, hang, stay with us because I think what you did was fantastic. But it was fun for me to watch being in this situation. So... He's on stage, not to me. I think Butch and Seifert might have been on stage with him, you know, three mountain dulcimers, and he starts playing this just kind of a groove. Okay. Uh, I don't remember what, what happened at the beginning of it, but it felt to me like they were struggling just a little bit. Yeah. You know, struggling to make the groove happen. Uh, and then you figure out, okay, this is the wall from Pink Floyd. Okay. And they're playing a groove sort of, sort of to set that thing up. <laughs> and then slowly more and more people start coming out onto the stage. And it's basically the people from playing in the squirrel's nest area of, you know, whatever that. Okay. And it ends up, I don't know, there's probably 20 to 30 people on stage. And so not everybody can be on mic and there's, there's, uh, Oh goodness. Who all comes out the uh, bass and Linnell's playing bass and 
bunch of fiddles, mm-hmm. other guitars, and just auto harp. Uh, Michael Ops playing. Uh, I think Michael started on the stage with him also. Oh, you cool. Know, playing uh, didgeridoo. Not, no, excuse whoa. me. <laughs> didgeridoo. Yeah. <laughs> Hurdy do. <laughs> and anyway, this was a, this was an example. Just so you know. Of I thought so. How does that apply? Because it's really effective, guys. If you get a chance to see it, find it on find it on YouTube or find it on Facebook. And by the end, there's this thing where people are just watching. It it did all the elements. It gave people a chance to see it and decide if they're going to like it and maybe even be unsure about it. But then you know you it kind of settles in. This whole groove thing kind of settles in, and by the end, it's just huge. I mean, it's just huge and it's not perfect, you know, and it's not, but it was like, that's one of the things you live for at, in a festival setting Mm -hmm. to where, yeah, I'm getting chill bumps just a little bit. It's just like, it all came together, you know, and they're all Seifert's screaming this harmony part above being (laughs) singing the wall, you know, and being messes with the lyrics just a little bit towards Mm -hmm. the end. But anyway, that was uh, so kudos to you guys. That was just fantastic. And one of the reasons that was so moving to me, again, not because it's like this musically perfect event, Mm -hmm. but it's the perfect event at something that's musical. Right. Because people were happy and it was this inclusion. It's not like, ooh, look at this star on the stage. Right. It's just like, let's make some music together and make it cool, you know? Yeah. That was a good, that that was an interesting distinction. And I've never heard it put like that. Um, not the perfect musical. Uh, tell me if I just butchered your quote. I have no idea what I said. Well, it just... it's recorded so we can listen okay. to it again. But yeah, you said not the perfect musical, uh, not the pure, perfect musical event, but the perfect thing. Perfect, perfect event mu- at, a music, at, a, at, a, yeah. at a musical event or something yeah. like that. I don't know. I mean, but that's sort of the way I just, I just saw yeah. that. It was like. This is why people go to festivals. Yeah. And now, whoa, boy. You're you're about to make some people mad. I am. You can tell because the next thing I step into is We're, don't <laughs> try to reproduce that. Yeah. Ever. Mm-hmm. Don't do the same thing again. Do something else. And that's, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's just a mistake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because it was magical because it happened once and people got to participate in it. Be happy for them. Be a little jealous because you didn't get to participate in it. And create your own. You know, but don't mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> yeah. That one's done. So anyway, that was really cool. And and I hear there's lots more stuff. I haven't had a chance to look at all the video from that yet. But I didn't go this year. I'm going next year. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Hopefully you're going next yeah, year. Yeah, can too. I ride with you? Yeah, that's the plan. Okay. Yeah, cool. we gotta do it. Uh boy, there was so much stuff to touch on. I have I've been home. Uh we've we've got a couple of things happening. So it's not just me wanting to talk about myself. Why don't you ask me what I've been doing? Hey Dan, so <laughs> what's what's been going on in your life? Helping my daughter sell her house because they're moving into another house. Oh. And so one of the more Interesting, potentially life-changing things that happened to me recently <laughs> involved pressure washing a roof. Ah, uh, oh man, man. I uh, I know not everybody looks at my Facebook page, so just to, to tell the story, a beautiful standing seam red roof. But if you don't maintain these things, lichen starts to grow on it. You know, it'll start okay. to they start to look icky. It's not that hard to maintain. You get up there and you scrub it off with a broom, generally. But uh, a broom and some water. Right. But this had been not maintained for a while. So I needed to get a pressure washer out there. So I'm pressure washing this roof and wearing headphones, listening to podcasts, you know, just having a good time. Now, everything was going fine. Uh, in the process of – and I borrowed this, this massive pressure washer, big commercial pressure washer from a friend of mine. And in putting the thing together, I put the tip in, didn't really know how to do it right, and, I, and put turned it on the tip. It goes like pew. And it goes shooting off. And this one shot off into who knows where because I didn't really see it. And I was like, shoot, I borrowed this thing. Now I got to buy this. Yeah. So later I'm up on this roof and I'm pressure washing. And, uh, you know, you're trying to become really efficient at it and changing your angle and all this stuff. And I decided if I just change the angle of the the next tip that I had on there, I would be more efficient. Well, in the process of doing that, I loosened it. And when I 
press the handle again, this one went pew, and it flew off. But this time, I saw where it flew. It flew into these magnolia, into a magnolia tree that kind of overhangs the back of the house. Okay. Well, I hadn't worked on that side of the house yet. I hadn't been doing that side. All the rest of it had been fine. I'd been walking up and down it, not slippery. It actually, when you get a metal roof clean, or even if it has lichen on it, it's pretty sticky. So mm-hmm. it's not something you're going to slip down. So I like, la-di-da-di-da, took two or three steps across the roof, down that side, because I wanted to see where that tip fell, because I saw it went into the magnolia tree, and I knew it couldn't have made it like into the neighbor's yard. So I was just going to sort of get a bead on the thing, mm-hmm. and then go go down the ladder and come back up. I took a, a few steps down in that direction, and it was instant ice, except it wasn't ice, it was moss. Moss is not the same thing as lichen. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, I was going fast, Aaron. I mean, just like, zoom. And it's like, I'm, I'm in trouble. And I know I'm in trouble. And so in those, there's, this is that thing where people see time slow down, you Mm -hmm. know, in kind of a semi-tragic event. And I was, I was going and I knew it was about 15 feet down. As I got to the edge, uh, I was headed into the magnolia tree, which is the reason the moss was grown there to begin with, because the magnolia tree shades that. And I should have, you know, should have been ready for it. I wasn't tied off like I should have been. So I looked for some way to save myself, and I did a leap right at the edge of this relatively steep grade into the magnolia tree. And I can still picture it right now because it's one of those, again, tragic things where it locks in. Mm -hmm. I saw three choices. One limb I knew I wouldn't be strong enough to hold on to because it was too big. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have to know that anytime you see people falling and they grab something and stop themselves in motion, that doesn't really happen in real life. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're not that strong. You, you weigh too much. And so and the ones that were the easiest to get to were just all spindly. Mm-hmm. And I chose to not do those. And I saw one. I think if I can get my hands around that, I was able to get one hand around this one limb that would be strong enough to bend. Uh, and me to get my hand all the way around it. So I grip this thing. It takes me down, flips my feet out in front of me. I can feel my, you know, like I'm changing. It's thrown me away from the house. I get to the place where there's enough tension on it. I can't hold it anymore. And it snaps out of my hands and goes back up, and but flips me even more feet first. Not mm-hmm. feet down, but feet first. So I'm right. going... Uh, I'm horizontal and parallel to the ground almost at this point, flying feet first. And I kind of came to a landing slide on my right ankle, leg, hip, shoulder, just a little bit by the, I mean, ultimately you hit the ground completely. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, something must be snapped into. Yeah. And so I I whistled really loud a couple of times for my daughter to come out uh, because she was on the other side of the house and she came, she's like, oh no, no. And 20 minutes later, I was like, I think I'm okay. I got back up on the roof (laughs) and finished the job and then spent about the next 10 days having a hard time walking. So this is, uh, this is two weeks, I guess, is what we're into it today. And and, and so I'm now finally saw a doctor eventually. And he said, I just, I tore some tendons and things, but so that's what I've been doing. That's fun. It was, it was amazing. It was really kind of amazing. I wouldn't want to do it again, but I'm kind of glad I did it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I learned a lot. Yeah, so I, I wasn't getting on social media very much while I was out of town. And uh, and this, is, this story is how I learned that my wife has perhaps a utilitarian approach to... Uh, to some some communication. Okay. This is when I did see it, I was like, hey, did you know Dan fell off a roof? She's like, oh yeah, I saw that. <laughs> She's like, I was like, you didn't say anything? And she goes, I would have told you if he was hurt. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> he was dead. He's not dead. Yeah. Uh, can, can I can I share just one other story? Of course. There's got to be there's got to be something for us to learn in this as far as music teachers. So yesterday uh, we had was our babysitting day. So we had Gwen and Barrett did, mm-hmm. did a bunch of stuff. But for Gwen's nap time, you know, Barrett and I were going to do an adventure, just us two. And so we built the sandbox house mm-hmm. uh, that's really cool. It's big and it's deep and it's, he just loves to be in that for hours. And it's also a hundred degrees right now. So it's horribly hot and humid. And so, but I knew he's still really into that. And I thought that's what we we're going to do. And then out of the blue, he said, why don't he said, Hmm, why don't we go to the Batman cave instead? 
So that's our, there's this old mine that we go to, which is really kind of dangerous and adults shouldn't take children in there, but you know, yeah, you do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's because there's a lot to learn. So we're in this thing and, uh, he finds, so listen, there's, I'm telling this story because there's value in it. Not just because I want to talk about grandkids. He, people go back in there and do probably horrible things at night. <laughs> I'm guessing in this cave. By horrible things, you mean like human sacrifice? No, or but by what I just spray paint the walls, oh. <laughs> break glass. Yeah. You know, and probably, you know, all just kinds of bad citizens. Just be bad people. Yeah. <laughs> doing bad stuff. Uh, we've so clearly Fourth of July. They've been shooting people. Have been shooting some fireworks off inside that cave, which would probably be amazing to hear, but also really stupid because rocks fall off the top, you know. So there were some things in there, and he finds this glow stick that's about five inches long, not those long skinny glow sticks, but the thicker ones that have a hook on them so you can like right. hang. So it's it's dead, you know. It's not mm-hmm. not got any life in it, and there was some other trash. There's a little trashier than normal proud of him because he remembered when we got there he said papa we forgot to bring a trash bag oh because that's part of our nice. thing is we try to clean up places we go and so he said what should i do with it i said oh, you can just i said you can just throw it you know back out in the water for now we don't really have any way to carry trash and he threw it and then he immediately got super sad and said why did you make me do that and i said i didn't make you do that barrett you asked what to do and i said well, just we're not going to carry the trash out this time and threw it and he said but i really wanted that that was my favorite thing and so he enters into this four-year-old world Mm -hmm. where he's completely depressed now yeah and he forms a you know forms a parentheses with his body yeah (laughs) heads down shoulders slumped and nothing i can do it he just really wants to go out there and i won't let him get in this water because it's too stagnant uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of dripping water through it, but I'm still afraid of it. Right. You know, that's the more dangerous kind of water, and I won't let him do it, and I'm not going out there to get it. So his life is just ruined. Right. Uh, so <laughs> took a while to sort of get past that. We found another one just like that one, except this one was orange. The other one had green fluid in it, and he really wanted that one that had green fluid in it. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is my point. I think this kid is brilliant. Mm-hmm. He's learning stuff. He's just – he's on the move, you know, you can see that little mind developing, but they're not ready to make decisions yet. And so I, I'm trying to get this point across to him. It's like, Baron, I started calling them pieces of trash. I said, you're preferring this piece of trash in the water over the piece of trash that's in your hand. They're both still pieces of trash <laughs> that you've decided are the most, but Papa, it's really, it's what is the thing I want is that one and I said I can't wait till you two start talking about dating I know (laughs) (laughs) Uh so I said hey guess what I'm a genie and he said what's a genie I said a genie is something that can grant you wishes said but this is huge this genie can grant you one wish anything you want this genie can grant you that one wish. So you've got to choose wisely. <laughs> what, what would you choose? Now it's the only time you get this in your whole life. And he said, I want that piece of trash. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. So I'm sorry. That's kind of the moral of the story. There's not really even a moral to it, but I think we do that kind of thing. All you want the time. That piece of trash? Well, yeah. We got our eyes fixated on something that's just, we place the value on it. Right. And it, even calling it what it is doesn't help us if, if we decide that. Now, my goal with him, and, and this is just completely personal, is to help him leave that behind at some point. Right. <laughs> you know, so to make better decisions mm-hmm. as you get older. But I don't think everybody does. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. People dig in and it's that whole mentality that we have today of uh, what I had no choice. He dissed me. Yeah. You you see where I'm going Uh, with that? That's what I was thinking about as this whole thing was going on. It's like, okay, we got to help him get, I mean, and he will maybe, I mean, Mm -hmm. I guess there's no guarantee because clearly people don't. Right. 
for honor or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you place the honor on the piece of trash and then you continue to fight to death for the piece of trash or give up everything you could ever hope for, for the piece of trash, (laughs) you've not, you've not gotten anywhere. (laughs) So that's it. Yeah. Unless you dig something else out of that piece of trash, I'm done. Yeah. I mean, I immediately just thought of Barrett, uh, saying about this dead fish. This fish is my friend. I'm becoming <laughs> obsessed with this dead fish. He carried around a dead lizard yesterday. Oh, fun. <laughs> we put it under a rock. <laughs> really did. So it could turn back into dirt. He's understanding that. Oh, now. whoa. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. It is yeah, huge. That's pretty big. It was fun. All right. So oh. that's that's enough of that personal stuff. But <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. There's... um. I've seen grown adults cry when they're the dulcimer they intended to buy sold. Is that sort of what you're? Mm-hmm. Okay. There's even I, there's uh, a pretty well-known musician, a violin player, uh, at a festival at at a bluegrass festival that borrowed a violin from a vendor and didn't know that it wasn't for sale and kind of had an emotional meltdown at this festival I was at when he said, okay, I, I, I think I'm going to buy this. And Builder says it's not for sale. And he had been taking it to the jams with these other musicians like David Grisman, Mike Marshall are there and they're like, man, that fiddle is sounding killer. Like that is your, that is your instrument. And, uh, oh yeah, it was, it was cringeworthy. Yeah. The, yeah. Don't, don't be that person. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess there are things that are... I'd cry if something happened to my, <laughs> right. to my Rosetta. Yeah. The Hammer Dulcimer. Yeah, I was, I was thinking... But you know of, what, though? If if my grandkids, who I definitely love more than that, came in and actually did something to destroy it, my reaction would not be to lash out at them in anger. Yeah, I get that. Uh, I'd be like, okay, we got a problem to solve. Mm-hmm. And hopefully whatever it is that has gotten me to this place in life, whatever place that is, would allow me to get to another place in life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you start problem solving and, and moving on you know, just yeah. breathe through your nose. And Yeah. I'm kind of at that point where, uh, I mean, I'm terrified of flying with, with my beady dulcimer because it's prototype number one and there's not going to be another one like it. Right. Um, yeah, but you're, you're doing it right. Oh yeah. But you're, um, you're checking it it. too, right? I I do. I've got it inside a gig bag wrapped in blankets with that inside of a hard shell, uh, flight case for, uh, golf clubs. So when guitar necks get broken, Mm -hmm. are the cases usually broken also? Um, it, it really all depends on the situation. Um, I know when I worked at a, at a vintage guitar store, there was one case of a, a pre-war Martin that we were taking in for a repair and the case itself was completely smashed and all that was, there was wood actually falling out of the cardboard box. It was shipped in and all that was left was all that was really left that was salvageable was the fretboard. That was it. Um, and I don't know how that happened. It looked like the instrument just exploded. It was probably yeah. a that was probably a some sort of a machine that did that. We saw yeah. a uh, forklift go through a harp. Oh, yeah. I bet that sounded lovely. <laughs> <laughs> big, big hard shell case. Uh, but I mean, there was it was just a mistake. The fork, yeah. forklift driver had the, the the tines up a little bit too high. Instead of grabbing, you know, under yeah. the pallet that was on, it's just and so that kind of stuff happens. But they don't yeah. typically use that kind of thing on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you're flying. Yeah. Generally, you're in those just kind of open air carriers. You know, you see them mm-hmm. trailing like a caterpillar out there. And yeah. So I wonder if the guitar thing's getting broken. Like it, it seems to me that it's kind of reasonable that a guitar properly packed in a case or a dulcimer properly packed in a case ought to be able to withstand a pretty good fall without damage happening. 
if it doesn't break mm-hmm. the case, it seems like if it's mm-hmm. packed properly, it shouldn't break the instrument. No, I don't know. I mean, it, it depends on the case as well and how much gift there is in the case. That's like, what I if, mean. If there's a, yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. I think in, in some cases there's just enough give so that, um, as, has been the case on a number of occasions uh, when you see the guitar actually coming out of the instrument or the guitar coming out of the airplane headstock first. Right. Um, uh, if that hits the ground, which is not terribly uncommon, if there's enough give that headstock's going to come in contact with in the, the case, yeah, yeah. With, with the very edge of this hard case. And if it's hard enough, it's going to break crack or break the headstock off, which I think is more common than breaking the neck off of the guitar. Uh, yeah, okay. In terms right. of transit. Yeah, I guess what I was talking about, neck damage. problems yeah. of the thing at headstock, yeah. yeah. So if, we should probably have someone smarter than us on this kind of thing, but if you could afford it and you poured a concrete mold, you know, and your instrument was just completely packed inside concrete, inside mm-hmm. a block, and that fell out 20 feet and it didn't break the concrete, it should also not affect the instrument. That's my theory. Depends on how much gift there is. Like if there's any it can't space move inside of there. If, it, it can't, can't move. move at all. It's completely poured concrete around your instrument, which is probably sucks for the instrument. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no idea. I'm probably missing something as far as the laws of physics are concerned. There. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know. I don't either. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, there's, yeah. yeah. Hammered dulcimers, on the other hand, it's just really hard to fly with them. I mean, unless they're small. So do you go about just buying another uh, plane ticket for another seat for the hammered dulcimer? When I've, I've never, I mean, except for doing all the Yanni tour stuff. And then we had people who actually moved things and Mm -hmm. I had two and they were in a, they were in a case that would have held four. Uh, in case, you know, I wanted to have other things and it was on wheels. And so it didn't even have to be forklifted. It got rolled into trucks every night, you know, and we packed them in these big things. So they were perfectly secure at the end of the tour. They said, do you want the case? I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> because they had nothing. I couldn't even put it in our truck. Oh, wow. It was just too big and way too much. I couldn't do anything with it, but it's yeah. common for the musicians to keep custom cases like that. I was like, no, there's just, that's useless to me. Yeah. So, uh, when I have to take my hammer dulcimer someplace and I'm flying, I generally UPS it. Oh, okay. Cause it's safer. Hmm. So you pack that in, it's in a gig bag and all kinds of stuff. Okay. Yeah. And then put it in back actually in a cardboard box. Okay. So I do have a travel clamshell kind of case. Mm-hmm. And so I can fly with it. Mm-hmm. But it scares me too much because it's to get that case to be heavy and solid enough that I really feel comfortable about the instrument. You know, I haven't tried to adopt it for this Sam Rosetta. I might give that another shot. But with when I was using the big D650s, there's so much weight in that thing that it brings your weight up to, you know, 70 pounds or so. And now you're starting to get into prohibitively expensive. Yeah, that's 125 bucks one way, right? If you fly with it, no, there was more than that because the length, width, height. Oh, okay. That's all the stuff they put together because it becomes such a big shape. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I got really lucky on this trip that I didn't pay oversized because I know in terms of dimensions, my my flight cases. Well, you saw it. It's way oversized. It is, but it's not bigger than a golf bag though, and they're used to dealing with that shape. Yeah, but I talked to other people that use golf cases and they pay uh, oversize. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I've just gotten really lucky with it okay. so far. Um, yeah, they did manage to... Well, uh, before I bought my own, I was borrowing someone else's flight case that the airlines managed to crack. It was impressive and break the headstock off of off of a dulcimer. So and it was one of those... Uh, run from the airport straight to the festival, uh, took it out of the case, took the dulcimer out and there were strings trailing behind it, followed by the headstock at the very end. (laughs) Yeah. You know how that one. Yeah. Yeah. So Wallawa, you said it right this time. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Nailed it. You use that case. Yep. And no worries. No No issue at all. 
Yeah, and today you're driving. Yep. You have another week long after this? Yeah, so I have uh, a week off after I get back, and then I'm doing uh, Ann Lowe's Dulcimer Celebration at John C. Campbell Folk School. Oh, in North okay, Carolina. gotcha. Yeah. Then I've got a few days off, and then I fly out to California um, for Redwood Dulcimer Day. And then is that things, mountain only? Yeah. Okay. And then things start to slow down a bit. Excellent. Yeah. So let's we could maybe plan on podcasting with you back here the week after this one. Yeah. We need to try to get Seifert back in. Yeah, that would be good. He's he ought to he's be back in, home by then. Yeah, he was in. I, th- I thought he was in New York City right now with uh, doing the the pipe organ. Right. Um, I can't show wait to hear the report on that. Yeah, that's so Blackberry cool. Blackberry Winter. Yeah, I I texted him and didn't hear back from him. I wanted to know if he was going to do a follow up with uh, the on the media podcast. Oh, that's right. Yeah, while he's in New York. Yes, for those of you who have heard that podcast, if you thought maybe we weren't here because we had all been killed, <laughs> 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 so far that hasn't happened. I got pushed off a house, though. I don't know. You did get pushed off a house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Dulcimer-wise, anything else going on that we need to hit? Are we done? Dulcimer-wise, nope. I think we're good. I've just been practicing. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Well, you're starting... Is there a... Do you have a date for it yet? Uh, or for the, for uh, the Patreon? Yeah, when you start your Patreon campaign. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, sure. Oh, boy. So, talking about another subject, but we're really talking about this Patreon thing. Boy, so many points about that, Aaron. I, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to do it. Is there some part of you that doesn't want to? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm the kid at 56 who couldn't accept gas money from his dad. Yeah. I just, it, you know, I would, I was broke all the time because I just, even if my parents would want to give me gas money, I'm like, nope, I don't need that. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm so, such an independent by nature that it's foolish. And there's mm-hmm. something about saying, hey, folks, I want you to help me to continue to be, you know, a musician, photographer, magazine producer, mm-hmm. teacher, all these things that, feels a little like begging to me yeah and i have a hard time with that even saying that and and as i'm saying this to you i'm going like i don't even want to say this to aaron because aaron's doing pretty well with this patreon thing and i don't want him to think that i think it's bad that's not what i think no, it's me no, dealing fine. with it that yeah. i got to get over that and so the key for me to get over that unless you help me out here and tell me something else is that i gotta have i feel like i need to have a very clear mission statement and right. be able to, to articulate this thing in 60 seconds as to why people should do it, as well as what sort of benefits are going to come to them right. for having supported me in this endeavor, mm-hmm. which ha- deals not with just it's, – it's not like I'm looking for a way to become a billionaire because that's not going to happen. Right. It's a way to be able to continue to support Dulcimer Players News, you know, and, and mm-hmm. just do all this stuff and continue this lifestyle that I – chose or chose me at some point as I approach, okay, and now I'm looking at, uh, I'm not going to get to retire, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I have all these friends, seriously, who are, and I'm like thinking, I don't, I don't get that luxury. I got to keep this going. Right. And I got to not fall off roofs. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. It's a good place to start. <laughs> yeah. But I have so much stuff that just because I enjoy doing what I do on the Hammer Dulcimer, I know doesn't mean de facto that other people enjoy it. Right. So it's not going to be for everybody. Right. But I do think I have offered something in what I've done with the craft, and I have more that I would like to offer. Mm-hmm. And it seems like maybe this is just another way to do it on the instrument. Yeah. So, so it's enough. Well, I know we've talked about this this a little bit, but um, I don't know if I've told you this when I was figuring out if I wanted to do Patreon or not. I was I was talking to Steve about this. And, um, uh, and my, my concern was, um, I was living in Tallahassee at the time and in order to make extra money, um, I was doing, uh, background noise gigs 
um, and I was doing a, a lot of them. When you do, uh, you know, background noise gigs, so then they can be fun when you're doing them with other people, but that's time that you're not coming up with something new. And the rest of the time I was teaching, traveling and going to workshops. And I saw, as we've talked about on here, there's a, if you go to a lot of dulcimer festivals and you, you sit in the concert, if you travel around throughout the year to dulcimer concerts and you see the same people, you tend to hear a lot of the same songs repeated. And it kind of hit me hard when someone said, I figured it out. Um, you all really just have like four songs that you perform and that's, and that's all you really need to have down. And that kind of made me sick to my stomach <laughs> a bit. Um, and I was talking to, to Steve about this, this Patreon thing. And, and he said, uh, yeah, I mean, if this instrument stands a chance at surviving, uh, we've got to have some people that we support just making music without, worrying about how they're going to teach it necessarily. Oh, wow. And, yeah. uh, um, and so my, my goal became, I'm, I'm going to do this, but everything I do, I want it to be a challenge to me. Um, and, uh, and like you said, you know, you've, you do, you do some cool stuff. Even people, I know that doesn't mean that, uh, um, by default, just because you enjoy it, everyone's going to enjoy right. it. But there's also going to be a large group of people, most likely, who do enjoy your music. But this Patreon thing isn't going to be right for them, yeah. Uh, because it's a new platform, it's tough to explain to people. Like you're you're when you pledge a dollar uh, that you're supporting the next song, like that you're about to come out with. They don't get charged anything until you actually come out with that. If that's the right. approach you use, and they can stop anytime they want. Yeah, yeah, they can stop anytime that they, that they want. But I mean, for me, um, I've I've worked pretty hard to not or to try and avoid sounding baggy or yeah, yeah. Um, I would be shocked if you sounded baggy. Yeah, I would be really shocked. Yeah, and I have to tell you, every time we talk about this. I'm like, okay, I'm inspired now. Yeah. <laughs> and then I get down to, it's not, I mean, I work. It's not about yeah. not working. It's just like mm -hmm. get down to, I'm like, <clears throat> I don't think it's this conundrum that I described earlier about the begginess that's probably really at the heart of it. Mm. It's just that I haven't, I'm letting the uh, perfect be the enemy of the good uh, at oh, this point. And I need yeah. to move past that. Yeah. Yeah, I struggled with the same thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's real. It's a real yeah. thing. And I'd, I would rather be that way than not that way. Right. You know, because I'm not comfortable just with stuff that's not at least good. Yeah. But I got to think it doesn't have to be perfect. I kind of need to get that. <laughs> well, you also, I mean, you get feedback from your patrons. That's the cool thing. Hmm. The people that that are supporting you, you start to see patterns with yeah. uh, the things that they like. And for me, it was, uh, for a long time, I was doing things that I thought were going to just going to be more palatable, more familiar, uh, to the, to the audience that I was, that I was playing for. And it was through Patreon that, uh, um, I started having the best reactions to original compositions. And for me, that was a really, that was a surprise. Um, and kind of set me down doing more of that and now in in concerts i was always afraid of doing original compositions like <laughs> it, no one's my gonna, how things have changed yeah yeah <laughs> like, well good. no one's gonna like this stuff but um so there's there's trendy mm -hmm. and there's paradigm shift and i'm also still kind of figuring out is patreon trendy or is it paradigm shift well um given how cd sales are down yeah overall um artists are not making money from recordings in the way that they used to even when you factor in spotify right. and youtube did you hear uh, the all about that bass story no i didn't so the person who wrote that megan trainer is megan no, that's is that the person who performed it yeah the person who wrote it i think oh i thought she did write it never mind yeah look at look it up and bear check me out i mean you can okay. you can see the story i'm talking to listeners also I believe it was the person who wrote it 
after the thing had like how many millions of of plays and Crazy, all that yeah. made five thousand seven hundred dollars off of it. Yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's messed up. Yeah, yeah. So how are you going? How are we going to keep making music? Like to right. to me, this is this is sort of a a melding of like old and new world system of of music or music business. I mean, it's kind of like the patron system that Turlock O'Carolan had that, you know, all, all these composers had meets the iTunes generation. Listen to this. Well, a friend of mine who's an artist who was here this past week. Yeah. And n- not music, a visual artist mm-hmm. said to me out of the blue, he said, man, you need to start writing Planksties. Yeah. I thought, wow, that's actually kind of an interesting concept. That's actually kind of my next thing. Is it really? Well, well yeah. actually, what I what I was going to do is start... Planksteed, by the um, way, meaning in the honor of. Right, yeah. Basically for a patron. Cause, yeah. Because that's what O'Carolan did. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what what I was... Uh, cont- what I've been contemplating, anyway, and maybe this is premature to say it, but... Uh, but I was thinking of once a year, like, even doing, like, a drawing for for my current patrons and saying, like... I'll write you. I'll write you a song. I'll work with you on on writing the song. Oh, that's what interesting. What do you want? What do you want the inspiration to be? You know? that's interesting. Yeah. interesting idea. So, all right, cool. Uh, along the lines of those paradigm shifts, and this doesn't apply directly to what we're talking about, but it does sort of. One of my favorite podcasts shifted to a. It's a. It's a pod, I'm, and I'm avoiding it because it has a particular slant, and that's not what this is about. But this group which is a news outlet started this past week. And they said that they're trying, they're stealing this directly from public radio. The podcast is having pledge week. Oh, and all the podcasts produced by this organization. They're having pledge breaks Wow! on a podcast and not, they're not public radio. They are a podcast. They're a for-profit company because they recognize they're not going to be able to keep the staff and keep doing this thing that they're doing. If they don't, mm-hmm. if they don't do that. Yeah. You know, and sometimes, and that's, we wonder about this as well. If we had monetized this somehow, mm-hmm. this podcast that we're doing now, I guess we should mention this is also part of it. You yeah. Know, this is part of the whole thing that, that we do within this community. It feels, I don't like saying, talking about this as being a service, just saying that makes me feel icky. I want to take a shower again. Yeah. <laughs> and seriously. But on the other hand, we hear from people all the time, like, I really like listening to the podcast. You helped me clean my house. <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my favorite. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> you helped me with my commute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Probably no one's listening at this point because we're 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 this is inside baseball stuff that right. we're talking about. But it's real. <laughs> it's really real, and we got to solve it all. Yeah, or be willing to just tour all the time. Mm-hmm. And. If that's the only way you can do it, then you've got to decide, is that what, you know, can I even do that? Is that mm-hmm. something that, for whatever reason, I mean, it's just, it's expensive and it's yeah. time away from home. It's not good for relationships and and that sort of thing. And just the ubiquitous success of uh, something like Facebook is an is a uh, window into the, how the paradigm has shift some shifted some yeah. in that it's a good community. It's not mm-hmm. just that these people, you know, like, Oh, I have people who like me or are my friends, but it's like really cool. I mean, I really get to see what's happening in people's lives. And right. Uh, there's, there's some neat stuff starting to happen on Facebook in that. Yeah. Uh, I don't see, there's hardly any political stuff pops up on my feed. And I think it's because I'm not involved in political stuff for the most part, other than the fact that I'm involved in it locally, and that's right. a different thing. But even then, I don't use it to moralize and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see more people telling stories. Oh, that's cool. Oh, it's awesome. It's just a part of the community, and you kind of like really get to know these people. And we're going to watch these folks. We're going to be involved in their lives through their through their joys and their heartaches, maybe more so than we ever were. Right. So that when you get to, we had dinner with a couple last night that if it wasn't for Facebook, we probably wouldn't have become friends with them. Really? You know, it's a local couple. And okay. one of my rules, I think I've told you this before, is if if you're local and you're my Facebook friend, eventually we're going out to eat. 
Oh, that's cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. There, there's just, that's, that, that's just my own thing. And mm-hmm. I started that a few years ago and was kind of had it going on. And like every two weeks I had dinner with somebody mm-hmm. else. I would just write them and go, Hey, we're Facebook friends. Let's go have a, go have lunch or something. It's a great excuse to go down to like the Tony's pasta shop or the Mexican food. <laughs> we ate at uh, this Japanese restaurant last night. Is it two ten Jack? Two ten Jack down know. in Warehouse Row. No, no. Well, that's about as local as you can get. Well, I, I will say expensive when we, but good. Uh, uh, when we flew back from Oregon, Nikki was so so sad because she's lived there her whole life. Mm-hmm. And saying goodbye to family was tough for. Her. But then uh, it's unfortunately this is also the best time of year uh, to live. In Oregon, oh, oh no, and the worst time, time to, to be live here. in the southeast. Mm, it's about and, three weeks away from the worst time. Okay. August is coming. Oh dear. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it well, gets worse. Yeah, we uh, we went out to uh, the first night we were here. We went and uh, we went to Loopy's Pizza, and the second night we went to uh, Rain Thai, uh, which is her favorite Thai restaurant anywhere. And she goes, as we're sitting there eating Thai, she goes. I guess Chattanooga's okay. Oh, that's good. <laughs> like, that so, totally saved it. <laughs> so just yeah. as having burned into my mind what it looked like to, f- to leap into a magnolia tree, <laughs> bringing you guys home from the airport a couple yeah. of days ago, looking yeah. in the rearview mirror and seeing Nikki with the saddest face of all, sad oh, faces, yeah. her head on your shoulder, and I just happened to be looking. I saw a tear come out of her eye yep. and stream down her cheek. I was like... Mm-hmm. Oh, we're no. going to lose them. <laughs> and I can understand because yeah. it's August, almost August. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was really thinking, it's going to be worse. This isn't the worst of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. anyway. All right. Well, on that note. On that note. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>